Hey guys, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast, where you will be inspired, encouraged, and transformed with powerful teachings and real stories of mental health. This podcast is not a substitute for counseling. If you are in a crisis, call or text your local crisis center or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Jesus is in our mental health, and freedom is where we start. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. Get ready. Today's show is going to bring you hope. Do you doubt your self-worth, and have you questioned yourself with relationships that you have? Gaslighting is a term that people will throw around casually to blame others for their very difficult personality. Some people haven't even heard of it. It's a real form of emotional abuse. If you have experienced it in a relationship, you start to question your worthiness in the midst of the relationship. If you hear comments like, that never happened, or are you sure it really happened like that? Or perhaps you find yourself controlling others due to your high anxiety. You could either be a gaslighter or a gaslighty. This episode is about Mark 22, bringing everything in secret to light. Come and join me today where I break down the term gaslighting, what it is, and how we can live free from the gas. Last week, the episode was about not loving ourselves and how self-love is important to God. And then on Thursday, the episode, I had a wonderful guest named Mindy Jones, who shared her personal story of being a Christian and through her inner healing and deliverance experience. Make sure to go back and check these episodes out. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into the show right now. Guide the listeners wherever they're at. I pray for your presence to take over anything that they have been dealing with and that your revelation will come forth to show them how worthy they are no matter their relationship. And Luke 8, 17, it says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So I pray that you reveal all the light for the listeners in this episode. You do it with grace. We thank you for your mercy. Guide me as I speak. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So a couple years ago, I was meeting with one of my counselors and I was just doing a one-on-one. We were talking about our various passions and current books that we were reading. Both of us do trauma work, so we were both excited to hear about what each other was interested in. She mentioned that she was reading a book about gaslighting. Something inside me perked up. It was just that I probably need to know more about this and maybe more on a personal level than just professional. I wrote down the book and I later downloaded it. The book is called The Gaslight Effect by Dr. Robin Stern. As I started listening to this book, I noticed a physical pain and sickness inside of my body. I found myself struggling to listen. I didn't want to hear what she was saying. I wanted to yell at the author. I wanted to take a break from listening. It was painful. I realized that I was very painfully a gas lady, and my husband was a gaslighter. What the world has done with these terms is really only thrown out the word gaslighter around as an abuser, as someone who manipulates and gets what they want and overpowers and controls those around them for their own personal gain. It was used a lot to describe President Trump. Unfortunately, 
I believe that this is really inaccurate. It feels good for us to blame an abuser and to say that the gaslighter is so horrible and I can't believe they would do such a thing. We all come around the victim and we comfort them. And we should. We should absolutely be comforting victims. They advise the gaslighty to leave the gaslighter, cut them off, cut them out of their life, then move on. But the problem is we don't actually feel better when we move on. Why don't we feel better when we blame the abuser? One reason is that Jesus is inside us to love everyone. So that means even people who have really difficult struggles with the way that they communicate. But the other reason why we don't want to just blame the abuser and move on is because it's actually not empowering. We stay the victim. There's no solution to it. It perpetuates the problem and it keeps the abuser as the abuser and why they abused in the first place. No one likes them. Everyone now keeps a distance from them. It keeps the abuser thinking, see, I need to keep controlling because no one likes me anyways. Or they become very persuasive and they continue to control more and more and have more lies. Sometimes we do need to cut people off. I am not not saying that. It's not necessarily bringing the darkness to the light in an empowering way. Mark 4.22 says, There is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. When God reveals the darkness to us, it doesn't always feel good at the time, but he is with us and he will guide us through it. We need to not back down. The enemy wants us to back down and hide. We are warriors regardless of our past behavior, our relationship status, or our experiences. What I liked and also really disliked at the time about the book about gaslighting was that I actually started to feel empowered to do something because I was labeled the gaslighty. It meant that I couldn't keep blaming my husband. I had to do something about my choices. See, gaslighting doesn't work without a gaslighty. I want to repeat this. Gaslighting doesn't work without a gaslighty. It is a person who receives it and allows it to happen. This is why some people will say that a jerk, what is a jerk to them? And that they actually get along with them quite well. It invalidates the person who was wanting comfort and who was the gaslighty. Why didn't they believe that person was a jerk? Because this other person wasn't allowing the gas to be lit. They held healthy boundaries. They were strong in their identity with that person and who they were. So the person who could be a jerk, and most likely was a jerk, I'm not saying they weren't, but with some people, they weren't a jerk with others. Can you think of times where others struggled to get along with someone, but you didn't? All right, so what is gaslighting, and what does it mean to be a gaslighty? Gaslighting is a form of control and manipulation. Sometimes it's very, very subtle. It first came to term in the 1938 play Gaslight, and the film created after that, In the story, a woman is deceived by her husband. Victims of gaslighting are targeted at the sense of their identity and their self-worth. They will say things like, are you sure it happened that way? Or you don't really remember correctly. Or I'm worried about you. You're lying again. People who gaslight do it often to control their own anxiety and securities. But there are some that do it simply because of their own enjoyment. I personally think that all gaslighters do it because of their own stuff, their personal emotional history. However, I know that true evil does exist, so we cannot be ignorant of that. It's important to be able to recognize if you are a victim of gaslighting and not just automatically think that you need to get out and leave. 
although that very well could be the option that needs to happen. Some people say that all gaslighters have either narcissistic personality disorder or psychotic disorder, but I don't agree with that. The reason why is because I think every single one of us has gas lit in some form or another. I don't think we go to high levels of it, but that's the problem. Because many of us operate at a low level of gaslighting, we don't even realize that it's happening. A true gaslighter will make the other person question their own self-value, and they'll continue to do it. That's the key. Are you questioning your own self-worth? Are you doubting yourself? Are you constantly thinking about the things that you are doing wrong? And is this an attachment with the relationship that you have? In Dr. Robin Stern's book, she identifies three stages of gaslighting. The first one is disbelief. This is where things start to seem a little off or odd to you. You kind of tilt your head and you're thinking, eh, that's just their personality. And stage two is called defense, whereas the gaslighty, you start to think maybe they're right and you second guess yourself. Maybe you are lazy. Maybe you are cheating. You are a liar. You are stupid or unworthy or ugly. Whatever it is that that interaction with the gaslighter is making you feel. Stage three is depression. In this stage, there's a clear lack of joy that shifts. People who knew you before would say they noticed something really different in you and that you're not yourself anymore. You've lost hope because, well, you believe you're worthless and only have worth from your gaslighter. In the book, she talks about different types of gaslighters as the glamour gaslighter, good guy gaslighter, and the intimidator gaslighter. These relationships can start out amazing and almost fairy tale like The gaslighter's charismatic, smooth, and sometimes over the top, and everyone loves them. The gaslighty is where you are questioning your self-value, your self-worth. That's the key. Doubting yourself, constantly thinking about things that you're doing wrong. In Dr. Stern's book, she really digs into what a gaslighty is and how they can break free. Instead of continuing to blame the gaslighter, which is what we can do, she identifies clear reasons why the gaslighty is that way and allows them to move through the process of healing. This is the part that can be kind of difficult. Gaslighties aren't that way because of the gaslighter. There's other root issues bringing them to that place. I bring up Mark 422 again, bringing that light into what was hidden before. There's no shame in recognizing this. This is how you can get free. The gas lady actually has a sense of power by being a victim. Think about all the attention that you get from others when you share the horror stories of your gaslighter. If you find yourself continuing to tell stories but not getting out or changing, what is the deep core root there? Yes, you are afraid, and the fear is one of the things that could be keeping you there. But I want to go a little deeper. Is there a sense of power that some of you might have? Please do not listen to me if you are clearly a victim of domestic violence. This is a very different situation. If you are experiencing domestic violence, you need to get out. This is a completely different thing than what I'm talking about. I think this is one of the reasons why gaslighting has been a struggle to talk about because it's hard for us to talk about the empowerment of somebody who has been a victim 
and to be able to look at the reasons why that's happened. It says, okay, it's my fault that I'm getting abused. That is not what I am saying. It's actually very empowering to recognize that there has been emotional abuse. When I realized that I was in this experience, it actually empowered me and I didn't stay in that place as a, as a victim. I knew what I could do to move on. But as I started diving in, it was painful to do the healing. There were things from my past that was keeping me in that place. That's the part that some of us don't want to go to. Again, I'm not saying that it's your fault at all. Please hear me. But do we want to step out to be brave? We need to dive in and do the tough work that's underneath. We're not going to change the world or change other people if we just blame victims and move on. I am able to share this because it was me. I was a gas lady and I would be a victim in my own head. I would feel bad for myself and I was in the cycle and had no idea. So how can we break free from this? If you are in this, what she calls the gaslight tango, I've got a few tips on how we can step out of this dance now that you recognize what's happening, now that the darkness has come to the light. Number one is to opt out of power struggles. You can write down language ahead of time that you can use and practice it. So for example, you can say, we are saying the same thing again and again, and I don't want to continue. That's something that you can say. Number two is avoid the right-wrong debates. Pay attention to how you feel instead. We can often get into this, well, you are right or you are wrong or I'm right, instead of saying, I feel sad in this situation. That is how you want to communicate. Regardless if they're, you're right or you're wrong, it's important to just say, well, I'm feeling sad and I need to be heard. Number three is to say things like, we can agree to disagree when you start to clash in your conversations. Number four is use silence instead of commenting when someone is provoking you or excuse yourself and walk away. Number five, write down your dialogue as exactly as you recall it and then take a look at it another time and notice when the conversation starts to change to gaslighting. Number six is talk to a trusted friend for a reality check when you feel unsure. And number seven is to trust your gut. If something feels wrong, then it is wrong for you. Don't keep coming back to it. When I recognized that I was a gaslighty, I first talked to my husband and told him about what I read. Since we had done counseling and had been working on our communication, he was open to hearing it and working on it. I personally had also been a gaslighter myself. I wasn't always a gaslighty. This is common where we can go back and forth. I started to make healthier choices myself. If we got into a conversation where I would make a request and he seemed to turn the request back towards myself, he would get really into needing to point out the right or the wrong, or he'd say something like, well, you didn't do what you said you would type comment. I would kindly say, I'm not engaging in this conversation. I made a request and communicated my needs. I'm not telling you that you're doing something wrong. If he wasn't able to step out and respect my boundaries, I would tell him that I'm leaving the room and not engaging anymore. I would then leave the room and shift my mind towards something else. At the beginning, this was really, really hard, especially when some of the conversations were heated. He would start to say things that were personal at times and had to do with his own stuff. That was really hard for me to ignore. I knew, though, that I needed to keep at it and break free from the unhealthy gaslighter, gaslighty patterns that we had created. I didn't always do it right. Sometimes I blew up and I reacted with defenses back. But more and more, we started to create healthier communication patterns. My husband would start to pick up if I was doing it or if someone else in his life was. He'd then talk to me about it and notice when it showed up in his life. Now, it barely ever shows up for us, 
The biggest thing that this has allowed for both of us is that we're believing in ourselves and who we truly are. See, my husband was gaslighting because he wasn't believing in himself. And I was the gaslighty because I wasn't believing in myself. My husband was struggling with anxiety. And if I tried to communicate something that I needed, his anxiety couldn't handle what I was asking to truly hear me. Lies would take over him and he would hear from the lens of the enemy that he wasn't doing enough or he isn't capable or some other lie. That's not what I was saying, but that's what he was hearing. So that caused him to manipulate back to me to try to get that lie to leave. Well, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work to manipulate and control others to get lies to go away. When I allowed it as a gaslighty, this did actually make him feel better for a short period of time. But then we'd go back to a pattern again of this unhealthy cycle, and I would then take on the victim role, and I'm not a good person, I'm rude, I'm causing harm to him, or whatever negative thing that he was saying and I was believing then that means that I was actually catching his stuff or we could say catching his ball like in basketball so that his anxiety was actually taken care of for a bit. Okay, this is kind of how this like manipulation happens. When we started to communicate more healthy, it was hard at first because he didn't have me to catch the anxiety. Does that make sense? I noticed that as we stopped this unhealthy pattern that he started to recognize when anxiety showed up in his life on his own. He would then share with me how it would make him feel and what it would do to motivate him. He didn't want to partner with anxiety. It was empowering for me to hear him share. If you are struggling with gaslighting or being a gaslighty, I want to release the freedom I have experienced over you. Revelations 19.10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if God did it for any of us, he's gonna do it again. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for this powerful episode and what you have revealed for the listeners. I pray for your grace over their ears and their heart if they have heard this. I pray that this episode has empowered them to do something different and to believe in themselves. If any of you are feeling the sick feeling that I had when I first learned about it, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come comfort you right now. You are our mighty comforter. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We repent for putting someone else before you, God, even if we didn't realize that we were doing it, even if we were a victim of emotional abuse. We thank you for forgiveness that God gave to my husband and I with the victim manipulation control that we had with gaslighting and gaslighty right now. And I release to you a breakthrough ability to have healthy boundaries, healthy communication, and healthy identity In the name of Jesus, I break all ties gaslighting has done. I break all benefits and the control that gaslighting experienced in the name of Jesus. I break all manipulation, power, and control in the name of Jesus. I release the empowerment to do something different. Give them the grace to believe for something new, for healthy communication, for healthy boundaries, for walking away, for speaking up and saying what you need and how you feel instead of arguing right or wrong. We thank you for your grace and your supernatural ability to communicate. I pray that any children that were witnesses of any unhealthy communication will be healed right now in Jesus' name. I pray for open doors for repairs to be made with apologies and making things right and teaching opportunities. 
I pray for heavenly alignment right now in families, in couples, in relationships, dating or married. And if you are dating, that you would be able to find a good pre-marriage counselor. And if you are married, that you can find a good marriage counselor. I release heavenly communication right now. Fill them with your peace, Holy Spirit, with your love. Guide them with the right people beside them as they gain and keep freedom. See, it's one thing to break free. It's another to stay free. So I declare Daniel 2.22 over you that God reveals deep and hidden things that he knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. In each one of you, there's more light than darkness. We're just revealing the darkness so the light can shine. And so I declare right now that the light is shining. The light is shining. The light is shining. Protect them right now, Holy Spirit, with your mighty hand. We thank you, God, for your glory, and we give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread mental health awareness with Jesus at the Center. You can also check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or my website at HeidiMortensenLMFT.com. See you at our next episode.